Lord, as we look to you, Lord, as we long for you, uh, Lord, as we lift our hearts and our eyes to you, we pray that you would come, please, by the power of your word and spirit, Lord, power is perfected in weakness, and your grace is sufficient. So we look to you and your grace, and we remember this holy week how far Jesus came for us. How far Jesus came, a king with a a manger for a crib, a donkey for a chariot, a cross for a throne, thorns for a crown. We would see Jesus. So come, Lord Jesus, come by uh, your word and spirit and be with us, teach us, and transform us into your very image. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, we're going to be beginning our, our reading in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 33. And uh, again, just as a, as a reminder, we're calling what we're talking about at, at night songs for the road. And we mentioned last night that we have a prayer book, a, a song book, 150 prayers, 150 psalms uh, that we can sing, that we can pray right in the center of our Bible. You remember we said last night that the very first word of the very first verse of the very first psalm in Hebrew and in English is blessed. Blessed. And you remember we said that this person is is here described and essential to understanding what we were talking about last night and what this psalm is talking about is meditation. And interesting meditation. And we have a picture of meditation in this tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, sucking up the water of life, which we know ultimately points to Jesus Christ. Also, we looked at this, this word can also describe uh, chewing, gnawing, digesting, swallowing, delighting in God's word. And that's where we, we begin. That is the, the very first word of this songbook. Blessed, meditate, read, digest. Um, tonight, I want to move from that first step as we begin this walk down this road and talk about daily living, daily life. We've got our first step. What does it look like to walk down this road? Tomorrow, we're going to look at another psalm that you all know very well, Psalm 51, and and wrestle with what do we do when we screw up (laughs) as we're walking down this road? 
And then lastly, on Thursday, we'll look at Psalm 42 and 43. What do we do when we've absolutely lost our way on the road? So the first step, walking tonight down the daily, in, in the daily life, our daily lives, practical living. And then tomorrow, what do we do, what do, we do when we really mess up? And then after that, what do we do when we've absolutely lost our way? Meditation is kind of fun to talk about. You know, meditation is in. That word is kind of everywhere. It fits very well with the word spirituality. Um, you know, people often talk about the new atheists. and athe- The new atheists aren't the issue. It's all of the crazy, wild, smorgasbord spiritualities that are out there. They're everywhere. Uh, you remember what G.K. Chesterton once said, when we qu- quit believing in Christ and Christianity, it's not that we'll believe in nothing, we'll believe in anything. And that's kind of where we are. Cindy and I had this experience in a very vivid way recently. We had an outreach in our neighborhood. And we invited, and it was for, for, for ladies, so I went upstairs and got out of the way, and Cindy was doing an outreach for ladies, and they were doing a study in the neighborhood of C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Well, little did we know that right next to us, there was another study going on in, in our neighborhood, and we had a lot of ladies coming to our house that didn't know where we lived, and they didn't, had never been to our house before. So when they came into our neighborhood, they saw cars parked in front of a house, so they went up to this house and knocked on the door and asked to go in, And uh, as they knocked on the door, the lady answered, and uh, they said, we're here for the study. Oh, great. Um, We're really looking forward to it. What, what What is the study, by the way? Oh, this is the Dream Club. And... And the ladies that were coming for our Bible study, oh, they, they, they laughed. Oh, the Dream Club. Isn't that really funny? No, this is the Dream Club. This study right next to our house was meeting to interpret dreams, to interpret their dreams. And they were getting, and, and the ladies that made that mistake came over to our house, and we were studying mere Christianity. There it is, right next. We've got this, this really kind of, crazy, weird, spiritual stuff going on right next door with the the dream club. We've had an interesting relationship with our neighbors since then. Great conversations. But you've got either, it's the dream club and mere Christianity. Right next door. Um, So it, it, it is cool to talk about meditation, but it's vitally important that we, that we get meditation straight, as we talked about last night. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said, the present is the only time in which any duty can be done or any grace received. The present is the only time in which any duty can be done or any grace received. And we know this very well. What does it look like to... Where do we go for instruction, for prayers, for direction, for encouragement in daily faithfulness? Just daily bread faithfulness. Daily bread, boots on the ground, feet on the ground, walking down the road, faithfulness. What does that look like? Where can we find it? Well, there's a prayer. Psalm 119, 33 through 48 that I challenge you to pray. You can lift this prayer right out of the prayer book of the Bible and pray it tonight. 
You can pray it tomorrow, and you can pray it for the rest of your life. You can memorize it. Let's read it together. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I might keep your law, your Torah, your instruction, and observe it with my whole heart. We could go on and on just about that. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Your salvation, according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For my hope is in your rules, your statutes, your instruction. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I also will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Um, again, it's the, the end of a long day. Hopefully a few of you got, uh, got naps. We'll look at just a, a few key things about this particular prayer. Many of you are familiar with this passage that focuses on God's precepts, statutes, God's word, as we understand it looking back from the New Testament perspective at the Old Testament. Um, but, but notice first, let's call it direction, teach me. Direction. I was uh, going to church just the other day. I pulled up a stoplight behind a pickup truck right there in Madison, Mississippi, and there on this pickup truck, you know, you, you know the vehicles that have all the signs and stickers and stuff on the back of this one was particularly good. This is good. Um, on the left-hand side of the window, it, it had a, a, a Canadian flag. Interesting, Canadian flag, that's, that's fine. Um, on the right-hand side, it said at the bottom, Canadian flag, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Then on the bottom of the bumper, it said, United States Navy, retired. And then the other side of the bumper, it said, question all authority. 
somebody's confused. But what a picture <laughs> of popular culture. It's sort of, it's international. Of course, it's a pickup. It's international. My, it it kind of points to Jesus. Been in the military, probably traveled around the world in the military. Question all authority. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Give me understanding of your ways, your precepts, your laws. I will uh, obey them with my whole heart. You know, last night we saw kind of an individual emphasis, meditate upon God's word. Now there's this emphasis, I need to be taught. I need to learn. Blessed, we saw last night, meditating and chewing on, on God's word. Tonight, we said, you know, I need to be in a, in a corporate sense with a great... And you all get this. You're here. I, I need other people to walk with and to teach me and to instruct me as I go down the road. I need a corporate Emphasis, and we see this all through um, this psalm. We, of course, we see later in this psalm, Psalm 119, uh, 105, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. All of this emphasis on way and teaching and understanding and path and, and light is pointing to, of course, light is a very vivid image throughout Scripture, and we see it especially in the New Testament but it reminds me, um, I, I think what it, it, we're, we're getting at here, it reminds me when I was a very small child and I was in the darkest place I can ever remember, physically. Um, we, we were on a family vacation. Um, anybody ever been a deep down under the earth? You've <laughs> been, been in a, like a cavern like deep down under, uh, my, we went to Carlsbad Caverns. Anybody ever been there? But I, okay, I still don't know the difference between a stalactite and a stalagmite. But but the, the, there were all those stalactites and stalagmites everywhere. And I remember as a small child holding my mother's hand and going deep, deep down under the earth. And it and it got dark, but fortunately there were lights you know lights along the path and lights that would line up and we got down the very they called it the big room down at the bottom and they said okay now everybody ready we're going to turn off the lights and i've just remembered that um kind of being taught in the bible as a kid and growing up this difference between light and darkness and a light path i always remember this because when that light went out it was it was, I was deeply, deeply unhinged, frightened, scared, half to, I couldn't see here, I couldn't see my way, I couldn't see anything, it was just pitch, pitch black, and you know, of course I grabbed onto my mother, and then they, they, they warned us in advance, and they said we're turning it back on, and they turned the lights back on, and I didn't sleep in the dark for like five years. <laughs> B- 
by the Bible imagery of light and darkness is so vivid in, with regard to shining on a, on a path. God's word lights up the path. The lights go on. We can see in the darkness. In this often dark, um, discouraging, difficult world, direction, we see very clearly Teach me, lead me, guide me, shine a light on me, shine a light on my, my path, give me direction. But it doesn't stop with direction, he moves on to protection. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Isn't that great? I feel very inadequate to even make comments <laughs> on, this, on this wonderful prayer. Um, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. That's ESV. The NIV says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Preserve my life according to your word. The NAS says, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. And revive me in your ways. Do you all remember a few years ago when um, Christian Smith did his study of teenagers across the country? Many of you, I'm sure, uh, are, are aware of the, the book Soul Searching the Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. You remember Christian Smith, he was at North Carolina, he's at Notre Dame now, coined a term. It was, it was brilliant with these socio sociologists that did this, all this study across the country interviewing young people. Do you remember the term? Anybody remember the term he coined? There he goes. Did, did everybody hear that? Say it again. Moralistic therapeutic deism. <laughs> there we go. See, you, 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 you wanted to know that tonight. Um, moralistic therapeutic deism. But what, what he got at in interviewing, interviewing all of these students, moralistic, you know, we all are supposed to do good things. We all have this general sense that people are supposed to do the, the right things. People should do the right things. Therapeutic. Therapeutic. What typically came through in the interviews was God is there to meet my needs. He's there when I need him. He's there when I need him to be available for me. And deism. And this was, the, I guess, one of the most, the saddest aspects of this. He's way off out there at a great distance. And he's not very relevant. He's not very real to my daily life, my present life, my real life. We had an ad in our local paper not long ago for a church. For, well, I, I'll just read it. We had a, an ad in our, our paper recently that, that said this. And it says a lot. Most people in my generation see religion as something of, of a hassle. We're finally starting lives on our own, beginning our careers, entertaining relationships, building our families, and we're not looking for any more burdens or responsibilities. That's how I used to see religion. Then I learned about Unitarian Universalism. 
Here's a religion that gave me room to breathe. They offer services that are relevant to my life. Their philosophy encourages me to explore my inner spirituality. And their belief in activism and social justice inspires me to look outward. Sure, any religion is something of a commitment, but I never knew that a commitment could be so liberating. And it goes on. Now, that's, there's some good stuff there, but for the most part, I can't imagine a church full of people like that. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Uh, my inner spirituality, my ways, my directions, what I need, uh, meeting what I happen to, to feel turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. What he's essentially, we're essentially praying here is, Lord, protect me from my idols. Whatever those idols are, what, what, what is it that we take and place at the center of our hearts instead of Jesus? What is it that we live for and look forward to and place at the... You know, again, Augustine's famous phrase, our hearts are restless until we find our our rest in, in him. But he also went on to say, God wants to give us so much, but our arms are always full. Our arms are often so full that we can't receive what he wants to give us. What's central? What, what are your idols, your ways? Here's, a, here's the question. Here's a way to sum this up. Do you find Jesus useful or beautiful? You know, do, do you find Jesus so beautiful that you drop to your knees or do you find him useful for accomplishing your ways? And you know what? You can also apply that to people. You find people useful or beautiful. You find people useful to your ends or made in the image of God and desperately needy. Help me to turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me, preserve me, give me life in your ways. Direction, protection. Another, we'll look at a couple more. Um, another is freedom. Freedom. And I shall walk in a wide place. The ESV says, NIV says, I will walk about in freedom. NAS says, I will walk in liberty. What is that? What is freedom for a Christian? Wide place, freedom, liberty. What does that mean? When we pray that we would walk in liberty, that we would walk in a wide place, what are we asking for? I'm tempted to just ask what you... I'm going to ask a question uh, and invite an answer. What, what is freedom for a Christian? Anybody have an idea? Yeah, the, will, the ability to live life the way God intended? Good. What else? Choice not to sin. Choice not to sin. Mm. 
You know, this idea that freedom is no restrictions, loosed from all responsibilities, is itself slavery to sin, slavery to our idols, running around in, in circles following, um, uh, following our own way. I love the way George MacDonald puts it. George MacDonald says, the theme of hell is I am my own. The theme of hell is I am my own. C.S. Lewis said the gates of hell, I'll talk more about C.S. Lewis tomorrow, but the gates of hell are locked from the inside. I am my own. I am going my way. It's not being loosed from restrictions. It's finding the right Restriction. It's the more you're conformed to God's design for you, the freer you are from earning your salvation, from sin, from your own idols. And not only are you now in the light, but you're now breathing fresh air. You know, it's the old story of the glider conforming to to air for what it's made the story of the little boy who wants a pet and he asks his parents over and over for a dog and a cat no we're not gonna get a dog we don't want a dog we don't we don't do dog well how about a cat no we're not doing a, a cat we're, well what can I well you can have a fish how about a fish okay so he gets some fish, you know, we've all, many of us, most of us have been through this. You get a, you get a fish and, and they, the fish come home and the fish go into the room and uh, the fish are there for several days. And then one day, uh, little Johnny walks out and the, the parents say, well, how are you enjoying your fish? You still enjoying your fish, your new pets? We finally found a pet that you can have. I said, I, I love them and they're great and they're wonderful. But, but today, all they've done is just lay there on the floor. Well, they're not meant to live on the floor. They're dead. You take them out of their environment. You take them out of their element and they, they die. They don't see the light and they can't breathe. Our element is Jesus. We are made for him, to know him, to walk with him. Um... Jonathan Edwards once said, the law of God protects us from making ourselves miserable. The law of God protects us from making ourselves. God makes it very clear to us um, what freedom is. In his grace, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who makes his home in our hearts, who starts a renovation project in our hearts and gives us a desire to obey, a love for his commandments, a love for his word. And, you know, biblical obedience is not uh, resting on my righteousness for my relationships with God and, and with other people. It's not resting on my relationship. You know what biblical obedience is? Start with the moral law. Start with the Ten Commandments. What is it? It's love in action. 
Obedience is love in action. God makes it very clear. This is how I want you to live with one another, to love one another. Not to earn your relationship with me, but to live with one another. Love in action. 1 John chapter 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and has been born of God and loves the Father, has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we obey his commandments. Freedom. Freedom to walk in his commandments. But, but finally, and he s- sort of saves the best for, for last here, love. Let In verse 41, let your steadfast love... Boy, just pray pray this every day. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. It's just so wonderful that God gives us these words. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. And then in 47, for I find delight in your commandments, which I love, Uh, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And behind this steadfast love is a single, wonderful word. Uh, It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's God's covenant love that he determines to love us with through Christ from all eternity. Um, I won't go very far down this road, but you know what predestination is? It's the love you've always wanted. You don't have to earn it. It's unconditional. You can never lose it. It is the love that you have been looking for your entire life. And it will never fail you. That's what predestination is. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. Don't ever separate that wonderful reformed doctrine from personal relationship and love. Don't ever speak of it as an abstraction. It is all about, it's it's about this. His steadfast love. Lord, your steadfast love, come to me, your salvation according to your promise. Um, God's word is not God. God's precepts uh, is not, are not um, God, but let me illustrate it this way. I found a letter recently. We've moved several times in the last few years, and I didn't know I had this letter. I won't tell you how old it is, but it's old. Um, and I found it in my stuff as we were we were about to move. And I, I can't. I don't even know if it existed. And as soon as I found it, I called my mom. I said, "Mom, I didn't even know I had this." And it's a letter, and I'll just read it, a little section of it, um, from my mother to me on my one-year-old birthday. And if anybody in here is from uh, the, um, the Midwest, it, it, it's, it, we were living in Illinois at the time. And um, 
it says this, and I, I opened this, and I read this, and I just was a emotional basket. I couldn't believe this. Listen to what my mom said. And again, remember I said last night, I'm, I'm, I don't want to set myself up as an example of anything good because I've made all the mistakes, and if I do that, I'm doing it by accident. So I'm not doing that here. But I, what my mother did was so special, you should consider this yourself. Yesterday, you were one year old. It was a warm day, 58 degrees. Uh, second warmest in history. We had two inches of rain, and she goes on to describe um, the day. And then she says this, we've never been parents before. I was a first child. We've never been parents before. So we're learning along with you. We always pray that the Lord will give us wisdom. Before you were born, we dedicated you to the Lord. We really feel that you are a gift from him. Someday, when you read this letter, we trust that you'll be faithfully serving him. Thank you so much for a wonderful first year. We hope that we'll have many more. We love you so much. We didn't have a party this year, and she goes on. We don't know many people around. Um, but we pray, and then she says, um, we cannot express what we feel for you now. We pray that as the years go by, we'll be able to show you. Now, that leather <laughs> is not my mother. That's the word of my mother. But man, do I cherish that. I know where it is. I will not lose it. <laughs> and I will meditate on it. And I will remember those words. And I will cling to those words. And we've had a lot of um, ups and downs uh, through the years. God's word is not God, but how much more profound and wonderful than even that. Lord, help me meditate on this word and teach me this word. And through this word, through your precepts, give me direction, protection, freedom, and love. Um, I'll close with this. Um, I read this to our congregation on uh, on Sunday morning, and it's uh, from a from a commentary on uh, on on Matthew, and I thought it was uh, particularly appropriate for for this week, for Holy Week, for Palm Sunday. And here, here was the challenge, these words from this, um, this commentary. As we arrive at Jerusalem with Jesus this week, Sunday, Palm Sunday, as we arrive at Jerusalem with Jesus, the question presses upon us, are we going along for the trip in the hope that Jesus will fulfill some of our hopes and desires? Are we ready to sing a, a song or a psalm of praise only as long as Jesus seems to be doing what we want him to do? Are we ready not only to spread our cloaks on the road in front of him, but to follow him wherever he leads? Fortunately, and this is for all of us, who are discouraged, <laughs> um, well, and, and those who aren't, 
He says, fortunately, he doesn't wait for our motives to be pure or for us to have sorted out our lives to the point where we can look him in the face eye to eye. No. He has come to seek and rescue us. He has come to seek and rescue the lost. And once you invite Jesus to do that and to come into your life, he will do so more thoroughly than you ever imagined. He will do so more thoroughly than you ever imagined. Let's pray. Lord, it is good for us to listen so I I'm going to invite um, of these your people to just sit for a moment and and say nothing and be be quiet as we Lord as we consider meditating on your word, being taught, being directed, being protected, living in true freedom and knowing your love. Let us just be quiet for a moment and and meditate on these things. And Lord, let this be the story of our lives, Uh, a seeking after you through your word. Uh, and by the power of your spirit, and yet remembering all the time, and as I just read, fortunately, you sought us first. You found us first. You are the shepherd of lost sheep. You snatched us up when we didn't want to be snatched us. You, You saved rebels. The only innocent baby ever born dies like a criminal on a cross. Saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet at the same time, Father, forgive them. The words that we all so dearly want forgiveness. I forgive you. I love you. I gave my life for you. Now, live for me. Love because I first loved you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.